All right. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Be A Beacon podcast featuring Les Henderson. And today I have a very special guest. I'm very excited. I'm going to try not to fan uh, during, this, uh, during this episode. This is absolutely wonderful. Everyone, I would like to welcome Arlen Hamilton, founder of Backstage Capital. How are you today, Arlen? Well, thanks for having me. And I'm doing pretty, pretty good today. Today has uh, been a positive day so far. Wonderful. Same here. All day I've been like, oh my gosh, I'm interviewing Arlen later. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to jump right into it, you know, to be respectful of time. Everyone, if you haven't already, and I'll have a link on where to get this, it's about damn time. You, this book is so amazing and it has helped me as, as I've gotten started. It has been really, really amazing. And I recommend to everyone out there that's listening to obtain this book. And Arlen, you have had a journey, as mentioned in the book, I won't give spoilers for people that haven't read the book yet, but one thing I wanna say, you chose a field that we know is majority white men and many people, when they, when they think of capital, they just get nervous, just even of the word capital. So I just want you to explain to people out there, what is venture capital and why would you choose that way of making money and getting started? Uh, simply put, venture capital is uh, a small sliver of the private equity asset class that is supposed to be used for very early stage uh, and then growth capital for innovative companies. A lot of it happens in the tech space um, and, and others, healthcare, infrastructure, et cetera. And it's been around for about 70, 75 years in this, in, in this iteration in the United States. And you, as a venture capitalist, you essentially raise capital from other people. So from high net worth individuals, rich people, or from institutions like college endowments or foundations, things like that, where they have a very long sort of outlook on how they make money and they put money into different asset classes. One of them, uh, usually a small amount goes into venture. And when I say small, that is kind of relative because we're talking about billions and billions of dollars per year that goes into venture. I chose this lane because I just did so much research on different options early on, 2011, 12, I was looking at how can I get money into the hands of underrepresented founders? How can I get money into the hands of founders who, who look like me or who come from where I come from, but are being overlooked right now? And I know my potential, I know potential of so many people I know, but they're just being overlooked as if they don't exist or as if they're not as good. And we know that's not the fact. So. The idea was because I didn't have any personal wealth, any money at all, I was really actually quite broke uh, at the time. Right. I, was, I was thinking about different ways that would actually have an impact now because I was really concerned about the timing. I knew that I could probably spend five or 10 years working my way through a system, getting myself into a check writing capacity at another firm and maybe I could make that happen. But at, in 2011, 12, 13, and as time went on, I said, you know what, this can't wait. So I just start building it myself. And it started with investors bit by bit after several years of hearing no, starting to hear yes. 
amazing. And I'm glad that you touched on that because one thing I will say, you know, I've gone through the school of hard knocks myself and I'm just still, I just keep pushing every day between my day job and everything else um, that I'm doing. And a lot of people shy away from even entrepreneurship, especially marginalized communities that you fund like LGBTQ, black and black people and women in general. So and so one thing I will say, like you said, you, you really went through it. I mean, you were, you know, went from food stamps to sleeping on airport floors to where you are today. And that's just so amazing. You know, I remember going through undergrad and after reading your book, I was like, oh, why did I bother? <laughs> With- <laughs> now, there's different paths for different people. True. Yeah. And we, yeah. I, my point of view of this is we need people everywhere. Oh, exactly. It's almost like yeah. infiltrating different places right like right. I want people to go through very structured very standard means so we can have somebody on the inside oh exactly, exactly. yeah that that to me is very exciting too oh exactly and I, I I side with that you know as well you know with that but you know I can remember you know putting myself through school with three part-time jobs and mm-hmm. so at that point I never even believed that would be sitting here you know speaking with you or really even doing a podcast in general and so on that note what do you recommend for the marginalized communities that are still on the fence that about just getting started in general and even reaching out to to you know ba- places like backstage capital and just getting started well i mean i think it's the most important thing in my opinion is is if 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 you're an entrepreneur is is the is the work of being an entrepreneur you know a lot of times I even have a course about, about it, raising capital and most of the course is about bootstrapping. <laughs> so it's, right. about, it's capital, but it's like, really, do you, do you need to raise capital? Do you need to go to these outside sources? And some people do. Some, sometimes you do the company you're working on, all of that. But I've met so many people who have, once they take a couple of days and they just kind of get away from that, what they think they're supposed to do and they think through it and they put pen to paper they realize, you know what, actually I could have a lot more freedom if I just worked in this company and I didn't look for outside funding and I grew it organically and it's going to be a little bit different path, you know, but I think either way, whichever uh, route you decide to take or need to take, I think you should realize that you are just as welcome to any of this as anybody else. I mean, I think there has been some gaslighting big time that's mm-hmm. happened. People have right. just been pulling the, the, the wool over our eyes and saying that we don't deserve some of this, or this is reserved for only, only certain geniuses over here in the corner who happen to all be white men. That doesn't make any sense. Right. <laughs> everybody, everybody listening to this right now can think of like, one black person they know that they consider a genius like they're like oh man they're a genius and, true. <laughs> and probably some of them are that right uh, and they're, they're still thinking about it and so i just my advice is whatever you choose to do know that it's yours already that's right. just the biggest thing i can say to somebody right and once again y'all since this is the be a beacon podcast where we're shining lights definitely take that to heart arlen can you please repeat that again I could try. Uh, Whatever you want to achieve, whatever you're looking to do, please know that it's already, uh, you're already, uh, I guess the word is ordained for it. It's already yours. It is already uh, given to you. You just have to go claim it. 
Exactly. And and I'm going to claim it. I'm claiming I see my big $1 million check up there. I'm reaching up because it's mine. <laughs> That's it. And, and we're going to have a conversation about it, that you got it because it's yours. Yes. Yes. So for sure, for sure. And another thing, a lot of people don't trust, again, they don't trust capital. They may say, well, she looks like me, but how do we know she's, you know, really for us? How do we know it's no strings or how do we know this is to be trusted? Because of course, being marginalized, so many of our communities, you know, we're used to even us as even black people or even us as LGBTQIA plus individuals, you know, not always being on the same page. As they say, sometimes not all skin folk and not all community folk are your kin folk. So mm-hmm. on that note, any, what would you, you know, say to people like that to feel like, hey, okay, black lesbian woman you know how do i know she's really for me how do i know i'm just not someone else being how do i know she's not taking me for a Mm -hmm. ride i would say for me personally if that's the question for me personally it is in my track record i mean have invested in now 140 companies about 300 founders when you when you split that up and you can go to any of those founders reach out to them and ask them what they think um so that's that's really good because i can I don't even have to say it. It's already right. there. My track record, my reputation speaks for itself. And I'm happy to continue to answer the question. I'll never be above answering that question. I understand that, that a lot of times I'm, I'm taking advantage of people are tried to, you know, take advantage of us. Um, I have to just say part of the answer is that this is so hard. This is a really difficult life choice I've made. It is not easy building what I've built from homeless to $12 million raised. All, all 12 million of that going towards founders of color and LGBTQ and et cetera. So if I were trying to get by on you, I would have chosen a different way. Right. Oh, no, <laughs> for a sure. Very different, difficult way right. to do so. Uh, but right. yeah, I think those two things and, and just, and also knowing that, yeah, there are some sharks. There are some people who are not there for your best interest. It's, it's, uh, it's not always, I mean, you, you have to be a little sharky. I just told a, a founder group, um, that I'm working with this week, uh, two founders of color who are on the same team. And, and yes. I said to them, you know, I love how much, how much of your heart goes into this. I just need you to be a little bit more sharky. I need you to be a little bit more critical of people, even if they look like you, because everybody, every single person has an agenda of some type. It just depends on how that agenda uh, it affects you. And so going into anything blind or going into anything where you're just like um not thinking that you know you can be taken advantage of that's a mistake right it's just right. gonna happen with me i'm not trying to take advantage of anybody <laughs> oh well no of course not you but yeah. just people you know in, in general sometimes especially you know in today's climate with what we're seeing you know in today's climate it's just things that you know often swim around especially you know in certain communities and in certain environments that I'm in and I'm just you know hearing regular sometimes conversations and yeah so I that, mean that happens so that's back channels you know what I mean there's all kinds of back channels right um, I found personally that there are a lot of different opinions of me again like you know from different people I hear from all corners I got people in all corners telling me stuff sometimes stuff sometimes people tell me stuff and they think they're being helpful and they're like you know I heard this at this dinner and I'm like that's none of my business. If even if it's about me, I don't really exactly. care, right? Yeah, but some, sure. you know, but I do hear it. And so some of the uh, criticism I get is that I'm doing too much. 
I'm out there too much, you know, I'm putting my face out there too much, um, my name and things like that, or I'm not, you know, good at what I do or this or that and the other. And then, and then there is the, you know, what is her, what is her like real agenda? What is she trying to do? What's this front for? And the thing is, so people who have known me the longest, like the deepest friends, they, they always have to tell me because I, it, you know, some, when it's like black people saying it, it gets to me. And they have to say, you know, some people just don't believe that you are as nice as you are or that you're right. as upfront as you are, but they've known me for like 20 years. So they know that that's what I am. I promise you, I am, I am almost too transparent. Yeah, exactly. And I can tell you know, that in your... It. Yeah, and I can tell that in the podcast you do, in your courses, in this book, you're like, you ain't, you ain't saying Sebastian nobody. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I can't be because I think it's just been so many years of not having anything. Right. I just don't, sure. I, and I don't have any like uh, bitterness towards anybody that I'm trying to like show, uh, show you. You know, it's more like. Man, that was a first. That was a rough first thirty-five years. I want the next thirty-five years to be all right, and I'm gonna do what I can to make that happen. You know, that's right. it. Right. And what kept you going? I mean, I, I've read that you know here in this book, but what really kept you going on those days and those nights that yeah. you know you were just connecting and connecting with people? You were you know getting food stamps, you had to move around. I mean, because you've had really quite a journey. Y'all, y'all really have to read this book. I really don't want to, you know, keep <laughs> giving spoilers. Um, but what really kept you going on those, you know, sleeping while you were in those airports, you know, while you were getting food stamps, while you were moving around? Honestly, the main thing that got me was that even back then, before anything happened, before I made my first investment, before I even had any money myself, I promise you I could, I knew that if I could get over that hump of like making it happen, that it would just affect so many people. It was almost like I couldn't believe nobody had done it yet. I was just like, wait a minute. Cause there were like, there are certainly black investors. There are certainly yeah. investors of color out there, of course, but no one had said we're only investing in underrepresented founders and we're, we're going to pass the party rounds and the, this, the popular rounds. We don't care about those companies, no matter how well they do, because we're going all in. We're bullish, as they say, on underrepresented founders. And I couldn't believe no one had done it just as an experiment or just as a, you know, trial. And so I, it just made me so, uh, excited and like, I was looking forward to it so much. I gotta try this because my whole thinking was even if I tried it and then I got like 10 investments in and I realized, man, I'm not good at this or man, this is really tough or man, I'm not helping anybody. I knew that I could, I could bounce and I would bounce and I'd say, you know what? I was wrong. I was just wrong. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with sort of uh, transparent failure. It's, it's not scary to me. So the idea of, if it does work, is huge, was enough to fuel. Wow, that's amazing. And y'all, y'all are hearing it directly from her. You see where she is today. Definitely, you know, read her 
book. You know, oh my gosh. And I, I would sit here and talk soaps with you, but I, I grew up hey. on the CVS soaps. Hey, I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> oh, you're on the CVS? I oh. think, you know, I, let me, don't get me wrong. Like I can kind of remember my mother kind of flipping around General Hospital, my, but mainly my That's mom it. and grandma, they, they were, you know, they were young and the rest, you young know, the they restless. were young and the restless, bold and the beautiful. Um, uh-huh. I did, one of my exes, she enjoyed One Life to Live. So that was, yep. you know, but I do remember, yep. you know, General Hospital a little bit with Sonny Corinthos. And- That's right. <laughs> yes, man. General Hospital is my show. Is my show. They said something on the show yesterday and they referenced something that happened 25 years ago. And I told my wife, I was like, I saw that episode 25 years ago that they're referencing. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yes. That is amazing. Yeah. So you would say that's kind of your way of de-stressing, so yeah, to speak? Yeah, for you know, sure. Just- for sure. It's, it's one of those things like, you know, people like to, I mean, you know, I joke about it, but I, I'm like, I'm dead serious. Like, I love General Hospital. It's my favorite television show. I've watched it since I was 10, 7. I don't know what age. Haven't watched it every single day of my life since then, but I've watched <laughs> every, you know, year of that. And then the past five years, I've watched it almost every day. I could be right. overseas doing a speak a speech. I could, I could be, you know, wherever. And I'll find that, I'll find the, the episode. But I, the reason I love it so much, besides just kind of like the part where you can get away and de-stress and it's, it's easy to watch and easy to keep up with and easy to laugh and be part of it, is um, it's really, it's a loyal thing. It's a loyalty thing. Like I was able to watch General Hospital when I had no money and yeah. watch those characters and those lives. And because it's a soap and it's on five days a week, you really get to see like a lot of stuff that goes on in these families. And so there's a photograph I have on my phone that it's me, like from my point of view, watching General Hospital at one of the airports where I was sleeping, wow. you know, in San Francisco. And that was, I did, I took the picture just because I was like, I just wanted to show somebody that I was watching the show or whatever, but it just kind of proves, like I can watch General Hospital in a five-star hotel. Or I can watch it while I don't have a place to live. And it just feels very uh, comforting to me. Right. And, you know, I agree because for a few days ago, I, I did cut on The Bold and the Beautiful and yeah. I haven't watched it in years. I'm talking Arlen, years. And <laughs> it was like, okay, you pick, you can kind of just pick up where they left off almost. It's yeah. like you never missed a beat with it. Yeah. And and it was something comforting about it. Like it just kind of get takes you back to that time that it may have been rough, but it was simple at this, more simpler at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's like the characters are like there for like 10, 15 years, <laughs> you know, 30 <laughs> years. And it's like, wow, he's still doing that. How many kids does Sonny have? You know, <laughs> like it's just, right. <laughs> like we found that we realized that Sonny and Carly have gotten, a, been married six times, six times. They've been wow. Often, wow. And three different characters have played Carly. And I've, I've met one. Tamara Braun, and I've talked to the second, uh, another Laura Wright uh, on, on an interview. Haven't, haven't met the third before. Wow, that is amazing. And I bet then you're probably the one fanning. You're probably used to people fanning over oh, you yeah. all the time, but you were like, ah. Oh, I fangirl. I mean, I did. So I have a podcast called Your First Million. Yes, y'all. And that's a wonderful podcast, everyone. Thank you. I got to interview a few cast members from General Hospital after watching for 25 years or something. Uh, 30 years maybe and uh uh I fangirled 
my so my wife Anna, she said that I was cool. She said I, I seemed cool after she saw it. You know, she's like, oh, it's cool. But I was feeling like I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> I was too excited. And speaking of your wife, ha you know, happy belated anniversary. And Thank I you very briefly, much. you're welcome. And I briefly want to touch on that because you know you, I mean, you went through you know some trauma. I thought. I had, you know, it, I thought I had a, you know, traumatizing ice cream shop story many years ago, break up an ice cream shop. But like I said, I won't oh. spoil everything here. Um, well, that sad. was, yeah, I was very young though. I, I was maybe yeah. like late teenager then, but, okay. <laughs> but um, how would you, you know, what would you recommend to, you know, to those people right now, either trying to find someone or, you know, or they're in a relationship, but they're just really building their business. Cause many people I know when they're starting as entrepreneur, they're like, Hey, I'm crashing on people's couches, but I still want to find someone or how do I find someone that will work with me? Did you ever find challenges, you know, challenges, you know, with that, especially, you know, with your, with your wife or was it like, Hey, oh, with Anna, Anna was, has been different from day one. I've known Anna cool. for now six years. I'll be 40 this year. So that tells you kind of when we met, um, she's been different from day one and she continues to be. I just, before I sat down to do this interview, I went and talked to her because um, she's like, she, she's a composer in, in, in addition to many things that she's working on some compositions right now. Uh, I know, what I know is, uh, you know, I've been dating women since I was, 18 I believe 18 maybe maybe 17 maybe maybe that um and if like since I was probably 21 every single uh girlfriend I had had a problem with how much I worked because I was always just in the zone I was always right. working on something even if it wasn't working you know I was just like just consumed by it and I've had a lot of relationships where man, as confident as I am today and as confident as I've been in life, man, I look back and think they just they treated me like dirt and I let them. And why, why did I do that? Was it because I thought I couldn't get any better or was it because I thought I was so in love that that's how it's supposed to be. Right. And when I, when I compare all of that to Anna after six years and we've been married for one, I just think like, oh, that's what they meant by love's not supposed to hurt. Oh, okay, that's what it's supposed to be because sure. it's just like I, I just think one of the things I say is uh, the relationship I had before Anna, and there was probably a year in between. The one I had bef before her was the most um, destructive and um, unhealthy relationship I've ever been in, and it was abusive on her mm -hmm. part, and it was really, really bad, and. And I mean, emotionally abusive, mostly. And then uh, a couple of times she actually decided she's going to hit me. Uh, and I didn't hit her back because I was bigger than her. So I didn't want to hurt anybody. But right. <laughs> it, really to that. it really came to that because wow. she was just so not ready to be with anybody. She wasn't, she mm -hmm. hadn't worked on herself at all. She didn't certainly need to bring that into a relationship. And I was, was something about like my loyalty and like, I don't want to abandon anybody, that right. sort of thing. That's what kept me there. But I have to tell you the thing that helped me. And so somebody might be in this relationship right now. What helped me is on my computer, I, I said, okay, I don't, I can't tell right now. Things are too, um, I'm delusioned. Things are weird right now. So I can't tell how I really feel or what's going on right now. So for, a, I said for a week, I'm going to write at the end of the day, how I felt like how she made me feel, how things went today. Mm -hmm. 
And I need to look at that over a week and see. And after a week, I noticed that only a, a total of one day out of seven was I okay, that I feel like everything was fine. Wow. The rest of it, I was like, she got angry at this or she, she belittled me here or she didn't appreciate this or whatever. And I was like, oh, and that's what it took to show me that I was in a, an abusive relationship. I was being completely gaslighted. Mm-hmm. I was being completely manipulated. And I felt really, really guilty about leaving someone who seemed so fragile. You are not their therapist. You're mm-hmm. not their parent. You're not their caretaker um, in, in most cases, especially if you're in a girlfriend, girlfriend relationship mm-hmm. um, or other. You really have to take care of yourself. You're not doing anybody any good wasting years with somebody who's hurting you. So that's, that's full on advice for everybody because it's real happens more often than we admit and more often than we're willing to say. For sure. Especially in same sex relationships. Um, So I'm definitely glad that you touched on it. And once again, I do want to be very, you know, respectful of your time. So just one more thing, Arlen, what, what would be, what's a message that you want to leave everyone with for that person right now that is, you know, on the air, that's sleeping in the airport or the bus station, or maybe crashing on a couch and they're getting ready to lose hope. Like, you know, F it, I'm just going to hang this all up because they don't see no money or anything. Yeah. I would say, look, you know, be really, really conscious and be very honest with yourself about what you're doing, why you're doing it, what you want the outcome to be what success looks like to you. And if you're doing anything that is causing that where you're out dire straits, basically, really believe that it is going to lead to something that you want, not that you're guilted into, not that you're, you're supposed to do, but that you want. And if you decide and realize, hey, it's not for me, do not feel any shame in pivoting your life in order to have that higher quality of life. You got to think about how many years you have left. No matter how young you are, there's a finite amount of years you have left. Mm -hmm. And you want that, you want daily to feel good about that, those years left. And you can't do that if you're living somebody else's life for them. Can't do it. Right. And you are absolutely right. And I'm going to end it at that. Everyone, once again, y'all, let's all clap for Miss Arlen Hamilton. (laughs) Girl, I am so glad that you came on on this show and everyone will continue to hear your message. If y'all haven't already copped this book right now, it's about damn time. I'm going to briefly tell you. So I'm still a little old school. I like, you know, I'm in my thirties. I'm still a little old school. So I like to go to the bookstore and at first couldn't find your book. I couldn't find your book. Me and the clerk walked around the whole bookstore until we found it. I mean, looking at every aisle, every book. I'm like, no, her last name is H. Hamilton. Hamilton. We're finding this. So then found found this book and it has been a joy reading it. And everyone continue to be a beacon in your own life. You bring that light to yourself and then share that with others. And as you see with Arlen's story, just keep pushing. All right, Arlen, thank you again. I'm just gonna ask you to hold on for a few moments. And I wanna thank everyone again for tuning in. As always, you can reach out to me, Les Henderson, by email, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You'll see my handles in the information below. Also, you'll find more information on Arlen and where to find it. She has cool merchandise, great book, 
great courses. All right, Arlen, thanks again for joining me this evening and we'll all talk soon. Take care of each other and take it easy.